Hello, this is Patrick Cronin, the Asia-Pacific Security Chair at the Hudson Institute, and I'm joined by Dr. Charles Edel, Global Fellow at the Wilson Center and Senior Fellow at the United States Study Center at the University of Sydney. Uh, it's often said, Charlie, that uh, U.S.-China relations will define the course of the 21st century, but I'm not sure we agree on how to define the major power relationship that remains uh, hotly disputed in both academe and in the uh, policy circles. You know, Joe Nye calls it a cooperative rivalry. I heard National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan try to explain that this is really some type of peaceful coexistence. And yet others believe this is a Cold War. Matt Turpin of the Hoover Institution wrote recently, yes, this is a Cold War, and we risk serious errors as a nation if we shy away from reality because we find it distasteful. Now, you recently wrote uh, well, you've written many things, but recently you co-authored a great piece with David Shulman of the Atlantic Council, and it was published in the Washington Post entitled, In the Case of Conflict with China, Check Your Cold War Analogies. Charlie, can you explain that argument? Absolutely. And thanks for doing this, Patrick. It's uh, fun to talk to you here. So look, uh, we all know that the Cold War analogy is floating around. Is this or is this not Cold War 2.0? Is the United States the United States? Uh, is today's China yesterday's the Cold War's Soviet Union. And our two cents is this is a really interesting debate. It's kind of fun to play around with what fits and what does not. And the short answer is uh, it depends what we're talking about. This is not the Cold War, but it has elements of a Cold War, right? Uh, so this is not an exact replica. It can't possibly be. The world looks too different today than it did at the outset of the original Cold War. But if you look at what the Soviet Union was doing, there are elements at play uh, today uh, when we think about it. The larger part though, Patrick, which I think is really important is if we only talk about the Soviet analogy, we're thinking uh, about kind of putting today's China on top of that. And that's a bad model for understanding what China is actually doing today. So that's what we really tried to do in this article. No, it's an excellent piece, and it's um, a consistent argument you've made in other writing about democracy, for instance. Your, the punchline in this article, though, is, is, is pretty strong, and it might take some people by surprise. You write, uh, Beijing is popularizing its system while undermining democratic processes and bolstering illiberal actors. Its ideological challenge to liberal democracy is ultimately just as potent as that once posed by the Soviet Union. That may surprise some because there's a great debate as well about whether uh, China is an ideological threat. So can you explain a little further about that, Charlie? Sure, look, there's a big debate and I think it's one worth having about what's driving Beijing's actions. Are they defensively oriented because they're worried about what others are doing or are they offensively uh, oriented? And the core of Dave and my argument is that that is an important intellectual argument but it actually, that distinction might not matter because the manifestations of what Beijing is doing have the same results to helping to exacerbate the tensions of democratic societies while undermining some of the liberal values that help set the international order. So the practical effects, while China is not seeking to violently overthrow regimes a la the, the original Cold War, the practical effects might be just as pernicious if you actually look at what they are doing. What about what is happening within China in the Sinosphere? I mean, you have to mm -hmm. worry about Hong Kong and Xinjiang, but 
you know, even as the Chinese interpret Mao, they've, they've come to settle that Mao was 70% right and 30% wrong, but it seems like Xi has to be 100% right all the time. What's going on with the CCP in China and their legitimacy? Well, I think that there's a, uh, you know, there's a certain methodological question. What is happening in China? And none of us can, of course, know that because it's quite difficult to understand. One and two, they work to deliberately obscure it. But I think that we can say at the highest level that there's an intensifying crackdown and tightening of the regime from within. And what we're seeing in terms of foreign policy is that there are elements of that model that they are seeking to transpose onto the international system. They are so sensitive to criticism at home, right? There is no criticism, there is no dissent, that now we are seeing the manifestations of that system trying to be pushed onto other countries, i.e., if you look at the 14 demands that they made of Australia, criticizing China is something that is intolerable to the Chinese regime in foreign countries. So this crackdown at home really has foreign policy implications. I want to talk in the last minute just about Taiwan, um, because there's a lot of concern that maybe a Cold War would be a good thing, because we might go into a hot war in this decade. Many people are worried about if deterrence doesn't hold. Um, you know, and, and what is the prospect for uh, preserving uh, peace with China? Look, uh, when we think about Taiwan and we think about the Cold War analogy, it actually has some utility, right? Because if we think about the early original Cold War period, there was a lot of un unclarity. That's not really a word, Patrick, but there was a lack of clarity, right, about what the red lines were. And therefore, there was probes all over the world. And once it was set that there was not going to be a remitting of Berlin, that froze the Cold War in place in much of Western Europe, which is what I think we might see with Taiwan once we bolster deterrence there. Great discussion. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Patrick.